Hey everyone, welcome to Simplexity, where we simplify the complexities of life and bring a little curiosity and contemplation to meaningful, sometimes difficult conversations. I'm your host, Allison Stoner, and we are still sheltering in place. We are back in the studio with hentified actress Annie Gonzalez. Last week, Annie shared her expertise on acting, storytelling, and the bajillion important ways we can all use the techniques and principles of acting to understand our own identities and life stories, especially amidst this tumultuous time. If you haven't heard it, I absolutely suggest leading with that episode prior to this one. It's super interactive, and then just jump right back in here, because today, Today, we are opening up the major can of worms around Netflix's hit show, Hentified, in which Annie stars. It's sparking huge conversations around social and political issues that are extremely relevant in our climate. It also speaks to multicultural and Latino Latinx identity, media representation, and beyond, all through a very believable and lovable family who bands together to keep their grandfather's popular Boyle Heights taco shop in business as the neighborhood becomes more gentrified. Throughout the first season, the family members must confront their differences and their connections to their community, to their heritage, and their commitment to the family business, all while navigating larger themes of gentrification and the marginalization of the Latino Latinx population in America. As I stated in the last episode, I recognize the term Latinx is controversial in itself. However, I want to honor the verbiage that the show has decided to use for very intentional reasons. Throughout our conversation, we will also chat with Annie about her own experiences with fame, with global attention, like, you know, interviewing with Oprah's team, meeting AOC, being recognized everywhere, and then grilled by press with really difficult questions. And of course, we will hear the rest of the magic of who she is and what she's got cooking for us in her career, art, and beyond. Welcome back, Annie. Hola, mucho gusto. <laughs> What up, girl? I'm so glad that we get to be friends in real life and do things like this. I'm really proud of both of our journeys. Hentified is opening up very critical conversations across the country and world. What does Hentified mean? And why is this show so important and timely? So Hentified is a term coined in Boyle Heights. It is a combination of words. Hente, meaning people, and gentrified, meaning, you know, comes from the word gentrification. Essentially, it's when someone from the neighborhood who has moved out and made a bulk of their finances elsewhere decides to come back in and buy property and beautify it. Now, the reason there's such an issue with gentrification is the people that are coming into the neighborhood are usually not people from that community. And when they're saying they're trying to beautify it, it's at whose benefit are you beautifying it? And at whose expense? And when with gentrification, it gets a little bit more complicated. So I'm from born and raised in East LA. I don't live there anymore, but I do want to go back and buy property there. I could potentially be displacing a group of people who otherwise didn't have means. A lot of that area is redlined, meaning black and brown people were not allowed to buy in those areas. And now that it hasn't been policed and, you know, it's this new place that no one lives, right? Mm. You have a lot of people coming in and buying property and displacing people. And now people have to keep moving far, further out east. They're getting removed from their families, from their culture. So people are going there because they like the culture, which they're essentially displacing. Right. But they may actually think they're supporting 
the cause? I hear it from different people. See, I even have friends that are like, but it's easier. It's cheaper to buy out there right now. And it's, you know, mm-hmm. it's easier for me. And I'm like, that's such privilege. Mm-hmm. You're not adding to the beautification of the community because you respect and, and love and want to honor the community. You like it because it's at a good price and might as well. It's good. It's easy for you. Right. So how then do the writers of the show and the production team go about achieving this authentically? Is it because who's behind the camera that it feels more truthful than maybe other renditions of projects aspiring to accomplish the same? I think they took a really long time trying to develop this story and understanding gentrification and hentification. I do think the reason for the authenticity in the voice is the fact that they took so much time and they were very cautious at the way they were going about it. They're not trying to vilify anyone, but more so give you a roadmap of understanding how this is working and who you're affecting by continuing to gentrify. I think people like, they're like, but I'm, I'm not the one I'm not trying to do. It's like, yeah, you're not trying, but you're also not being, you're not informing yourself. Mm -hmm. So it's easy to speak, to ask for forgiveness than it is to ask for permission. And they're Mm -hmm. like, no, 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 no. You can't get away with that anymore. It's not okay. Because this is the one and only series in my entire life (laughs) that I've ever watched a full season of and binged. And it had a very sensitive and comforting way of helping me as a white person with privilege, which are just a, a few of the different you know, elements of privilege that I hold, being white or being someone who has a successful business or whatever, seeing what my impact is on families by falling in love with them individually and watching the character development and how each step of gentrification affected and impaired their ability to thrive or forced them to make really difficult decisions. Meanwhile, I myself might have been living my life just exactly as I've always been. And I think specifically with character development, the Latino and Latinx community faces a lot of stereotypes, like people thinking all Latinos look alike, all Latinos are Mexican, all Latinos speak Spanish, all Latinos are into drugs or a part of a cartel or here illegally or have violence and tragedy in their in their backgrounds and hentified shows the real, the raw and the vibrant, joyful culture and it celebrates the beauty and the diversity within the community and even how you represent elders you know that sincerity and that truthfulness and using spanglish like the viewer really feels like a fly on the wall in a real like latino latinx family yeah and i think even more than that it it just shows the human experience it shows i feel like it's uh, connecting you to just family and a family unit in general. Like you see yourself in these characters, you know, you can see, you know, the the misfit, the black sheep, the angry one. And it just, we just so happen to be Latinx. Right. Which I think is awesome. And it's like, oh, cool. We do that. But instead of saying, you know, in Spanish, we say it in this language or we use this type of slang because we're from Boston or Mm -hmm. I've, I've gotten so many people from Australia and Belgium that are like responded to our show. And they're like, you know, you guys are saying it's a Latinx experience. It reminds me of my family. I'm like, mm, that's because beautiful. for so long, I've had to see myself in Meryl Streep. I've had to see myself in Bette Midler. And I never questioned it. I just was like, yeah, I, I'm totally like Bette Midler. I'm abroad. I'm this. I'm da-da-da-da. And you don't realize you need it until you see it. And I think that has been the biggest thing. So in order to bring your character Lydia to life and also maintain the integrity of the show and what the writers were going for, what kind of self-education did this project motivate you to do in your own life? It forced me to forgive my mom 
and understand the humanity in that situation because of the relationship with her work, my dad and me. Understanding the complexities of the fact before she was my mother, she was a woman. I had to release a lot of the biases that I had of, of her being my mom and why wouldn't she make this decision? And it was just so gratifying to be able to play something that I wasn't rolling my eyes at the script at, you know, like there was no added slang. There wasn't anything that it just was a conversation and the subtle nuances that you see in there with the inflections that we have or the little colloquialisms that we do. It was just what we did it. And I think that's what the creators brought to it. They're like, you, it, even in the breakdown, they said, don't put an accent on. This is just they're normal people. And I think it's always that common misconception. I had friends who were auditioning for the show that were from Ohio. And when they were doing it with me, like, how do I do an East LA accent? Like, do I have to talk like this? And I'm like, I'm from East LA. Do I? What? <laughs> <laughs> I think speaking to that, it's a double-edged sword to be on a hit Latinx series because as you and the cast have shared, it's incredible to see such representation in entertainment, but being Latina is on trend right now. And we can't allow people to merely see it as a trend. You know, you're so much more than that. Can you explain to those of us who aren't in the industry how this has notoriously worked in Hollywood since you started and, and how are you using wisdom and strategy to navigate it while protecting yourself? I think the biggest thing for me has been understanding what my role is at this point. I'm very big on backwards planning to understand, okay, where do I want to go? Now, how can I get there? My overall theme of what I'm trying to achieve is to shift the vibration of the world, but more specifically as of right now in my community, because we are depicted in such a negative light or have been for such a long time. And I understand right now, because you know, like you just talked about, being Latinx is a trend within the music. Everyone is singing in Spanish and learning salsa and bachata because it's the thing, right? I think where the power that I have is understanding that we've always been here. This isn't something new. You're just getting a whiff of it. And yes, right now it's still a little fetishized. That does kind of bother me. However, I understand it's only because of your ignorance that you see me as a fetish. And that's okay. I get it. I was once ignorant to a lot of things, you know, I can admit it. I used words that I shouldn't have used back in the day. I've said inappropriate things, but you don't know until you know. So the fact that I know and I have the capacity and the wherewithal to want to help someone understand, I will use my platform for that. That is the thing that is driving me to see the bigger picture and understanding where I'm at right now is not going to be where I stay because I'm smarter than that. Now, you've been a performer your whole life. How did you make peace with your past as a child entertainer and find yourself in the present before Hentified came along? Were you acting the whole time? Did you take time off? How's the journey been? I definitely took time off. Part of it was forced. I remember feeling into young adulthood, like when I was around 15, I just always felt like I was on for people. And I would always get told, she's too much, you're too much. Why are you always on? And I realized I didn't know who I was. I just knew who the performer was. And it was really frustrating because I felt like people didn't see me. I was like, yeah, I'm on, but look at all that I have here. Like what, this is what you wanted. Like this is what everybody created me to be that Chiquilla, since I was a kid, I was only good for sing a song, do a dance, do this scene, act like this character, make us laugh, da 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 da. And then when 
you were tired of it, I was annoying, I was in a nuisance. That to me was so confusing. And I remember I would tell my mom even, like, I'm an adult when it's convenient for you and I'm a child when it's convenient for you. That's not fair. Where is the convenience for me? Where do I get to be myself? At around 16, we had a lot of family deaths happen. There was a lot like of tragedy just in the family that I, I took a step back from acting. From around 16 to about 23 was when I finally ventured back in, like intentionally ventured back in. Throughout that time, I was still, because I had so many connections from being a kid and being in the industry, which I know you know too, sometimes people will be like, I want you to be in my pilot. Can you do this commercial for me? So I, luckily I was still in it. I don't want to know if I want to say luckily, but I just, by way of what I had done before, <laughs> I was still in it. And I had went through a moment when I was venturing back in at 22, where I was like, I don't know if this is what I want. I don't know if this is who I see myself to be, but everybody else keeps telling me this is who I am and this is what I should do. And I had talked to Linda Chavez about it, um, one of the co-creators on Hentified, because we've been friends since I was 19. And she was like, I get it, quit. And that was the first time that someone gave me permission to fail. And someone who I revere, you know, in this industry and just as a human soul sister. And then I told everyone, I was like, I think I'm going to quit acting. Like, I don't want to do it anymore. Like, I'm over it. And everybody was like, <gasps> but I, it felt so empowering to shock people in that way. Because I do have so many gifts that I know aren't mine, you know. I read the book, The Four Agreements, a little before I finally decided I wanted to intentionally get back into this. And I realized it was because I had a story to tell that I had never seen before. I realized that I had a voice and a gift with the way that I use my voice that I know is not my own. Mm -hmm. I realized that everything that I have has been taken from beautiful people like yourself, like Linda, like the words from these books, like things that I have just innately been given from my ancestors, you know, that mm -hmm. I'm like, it would, how dare I not use this for the greater good of the collective? And I, I remember I, about a year, two years ago, I was booking a lot. I was the skinniest I've ever been. I had a boyfriend that I was living with. I had all of these things that was, everybody was like, God, you must be so happy. You look so happy because you're with this person or you look so amazing because you're booking this. And, and I remember I didn't understand it quite then yet. But I was, it would annoy me that I was like, why does everybody think that these things are coming outward? I, I still didn't understand it. Now I understand that I am this beautiful. I am this powerful. I am this magical. I am this brilliant. Not because of the things. I'm not attached to these things that are outward from me. Before I am a actress, I'm a human. Acting is what I do, but my humanity is what shines through and that's what people see. Mm -hmm. And that's how I've been able to find the peace before the power. You know, that's about to be one of the mantras. Hey, <laughs> and that peace before your power. That is a gorgeous takeaway. I'm going to hold on to that one for myself too, because I think digging deep, we want to be able to just go out there and serve and do our mission or accomplish something great, but we have to go inward before we go upward. If mm -hmm. we want to carry with us the wisdom to navigate it in a way that's different than just how everyone else is approaching it reactively. And I think what you're hinting to is you healed all of the parts of yourself that were the most triggered, vulnerable, maybe you had some cognitive distortions and 
And by doing that, you've been able to now more objectively approach the industry and it doesn't get easier. You're still facing the audition process and having to commit to these characters, these vulnerable moments, these states of being, and just the volatility of the industry in general. You know, with COVID-19, in many ways, we're both in the highest demand we'll ever be because everyone's looking to entertainment, but also all productions are shut down because those are crews of, you know, 60 to 100 and we can't work without an assembly line, just like, you know, many industries. It's funny how you can be on a hit series one day and then the next you're unemployed and yep. going, I always speak about the industry as kind of a relationship and you're like, wait, you haven't called me for three weeks. I haven't heard anything from you. And now you want to give me some credit or now you want to bring something back into my life. How am I supposed to trust you when you're so inconsistent? And so finding how to provide your own trust within and not have it depend on the circumstance or the industry itself, I think keeps us in that place of peace so that we can step into our power. Oh my gosh, 1000%. And then again, not being attached to either because it is the ebb and flow. So like learning that my peace and my power are right here just as well as my ego and my higher self is right here. You know, I think the second we think that we've mastered anything is the easiest that it's like, I'm going to slip away. So even looking at the industry as something that like, I've got you figured out. I don't, I don't, but I'm constantly learning with the transitions that we're in and honoring you where you're at. And and so that I can honor myself where I'm at. So carrying this into power, you're experiencing fame and notoriety kind of overnight, thankfully as an adult who's done self-work. What have you noticed when you enter rooms and places now? Like how are people treating you? What they say? How does it feel? What's going on inside your head? It, I mean, it's interesting now how I was introduced before to now the qualifiers of how I'm introduced. Like people will say things like, oh, this is so-and-so, she's doing this. Like, so that, so that the other person knows I'm of importance and treat me as such. And I, and I will say, and even if it makes everyone uncomfortable, which I'm sure I do sometimes. Yeah. Well, before I'm on this show, I'm Annie the human and I just took a poop because it makes me feel weird. Like I don't want to be a product to the people that I know and love. I had a friend recently after the show came out and everything else who I've known and seen out and we've gone to different shows before together. They're like, can I get a picture with you just so that people know that I know you and that we're going to, but the way in which it was approached, I was like, what? It was an interesting moment. And and I maybe, and I don't think that they meant any harm by it. I completely understand. I, I understand before I was, am holding the position that I'm in now. And even for me to say that feels weird, right? Mm-hmm. But before that, I definitely, there was one person I got starstruck from, and it was Jill Scott. Well deserved. It was at a restaurant, and I was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I'm sure, you, I'm sure you like hate this. And she goes, yeah, but you don't care, right? And I remember at the time, I was like so heartbroken. I was like, what? Like, I love her. But now occupying this and now understanding her as an artist, like she's a woman. She's like, I am a human. I'm Jilly from Philly. Like, I will... You know what I mean? Like she's an actual person before she is this product. And now I understand it from that vantage point to where I'm like, oh, I get it. You weren't trying to hurt me. You were showing me that you were a human first. And I completely dehumanized you and took currency, took this as currency for me, social currency, which is so interesting that now I am a part of a piece of social currency. So while understanding that I'm trying to use it to my advantage so that I don't feel used. And does it lead you to approach people like AOC and Oprah differently? 
Definitely. Instead, I'm just like, I'm, thank you for your work is how I feel. Thank you for the work that you're doing for yourself and for everyone else involved. Cause that's, it's not an easy thing. People think about fame or recognition as this thing, this one-sided thing, it's going to feel great, but you're looking to fill the void of everything else that you need to work on inwardly. It's never going to feel good. I, I mean, like I had talked about before, I was booking all these things, but I was the most depressed I had ever been in my life. Like contemplating suicide depressed. For those of you who don't know, I struggle with anxiety and depression I have throughout my childhood and throughout my life. Mm -hmm. So understanding that as an adult and still feeling like, what, I have all of these accolades and everyone recognizes me and I'm doing this, that, and the other and I hate it. This still doesn't feel like what I thought it was gonna feel like. Oh, it will never feel that way. I need to cultivate that here. And the things that keep me grounded are my family. I have definitely, my circle has changed as far as what I consider love. I think mm -hmm. I was always looking at life as I'm lonely and nobody was there for me and this, that, and the other. And that, that is a very real perspective that I had. It, was, it, was, it felt very real to me at the moment. But once I shifted and looked at it from a different place, I realized I had so many angels in my life. I was just used to everyone telling me, hey, listen, I'm your angel. And, and those people were, I was like, oh, you're not though. And until I looked at it from the people that just never told me I was annoying, that never felt the need to tell me about myself, that always gave me the room to make mistakes, that gave me the freedom to just lay there and be in their living room for hours at a time doing nothing and appreciating those people more than the people that encouraged me to keep going with their applause. I just started understanding that, oh, you guys were the reason I became. And the other people as well in different ways, but right, right, I never right. understood how powerful that was. Someone saying, don't do anything. I love you. Yep. Just lay here. Just lie down and breathe. And that's okay. We'll do nothing today. We'll just be. My view of you doesn't change. And your worth doesn't change whether or not I view you differently. That's really powerful to actually recognize the angels in your life. The true blue friends, you know, the ride or dies, whatever your phrase is, those special connections can actually be the ones who are the calmest and the quietest at your moments of highest praise and noise. And so maybe they didn't get the credit or the attention because they were actually just there kind of cradling you and giving you a cushion. Whereas other people were cheering you on to keep going, not recognizing, hey, she may need a break. She needs to just be able to be as well. And I actually kind of see that in my family, recognizing the family members who are constantly like, hey, what are you up to? What are you doing? What new projects can I tell people about? And the other family who are like, you know that we're here whenever you want to lean on us. And also when you're around, we don't need to talk about your work. We don't need to do anything cool or interesting. We can just watch a program on the television, you know, like one of grandma's soap operas or whatever it yeah. is. And, and that's why I know I feel so divinely connected to you because we can do all these things of creation. And then there's times that we just will do nothing. And it's so much fun. I'm so grateful for you. I just need to say that. Likewise. I learned from Shan Boudram. She says, I don't say I'm proud of people. I say I'm in awe because you know, being proud kind of sounds like I'm possessive or I can take credit for some of your growth. So I just, I am in awe of you and delighted for your growth. So before we go, what advice do you have for other Latina, Latinx, aspiring actors and performers? Is it different than the advice you'd give to someone from any background or any race and ethnicity? No, I think that separates us. We only develop these colors and these features via geography. You go in and 
and we all bleed blue. We all, we got the same organs, you know, we develop these certain allergies because of where we originated from, not because of anything else. Mm -hmm. So my advice would be that you are enough. You are beautiful. You are powerful. And there is power in your reverence and in your silence. And power looks different to every single person. Give yourself the room and the freedom to honor that and to understand it so that you can give yourself the freedom to honor and understand those around you. Keep working and keep studying your art form because it is constantly changing just as you are. And love yourself above all. Oh, that's so good. Now, how can we support you and find your work and and follow your journey? I do post a lot on Instagram. I'm always, anytime I get a thing from source, I'm always on there. So I would say Instagram would be where you could find me. I'm always posting new things that I'm doing. And what's your handle? Annie, A-N-N-I-E-G-G. O-N-Z-A-L-E-Z. If you didn't catch that, that's Annie G. Gonzalez. One more time, Annie G. Gonzalez. Gonzalez. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, thank you very, very, very much for digging in with me. You're just such a powerhouse. I hope that this two-part conversation was thought-provoking for everyone, first learning to characterize yourself in, in the movie of your life and hearing from a pro how she does it. If you're ever feeling upset or defeated about the character you've designed, remember that characters go through arcs. A story has a beginning, middle, and end, and you can change courses, transform, and try new tactics. The current period of your life, whether good, bad, or indifferent, is not forever. Now is not forever. And then Mm. this week, I hope hearing about Annie's story and the show Hentified and All the important surrounding conversations will send you on a journey to follow Annie all across Google and the internet and libraries once we can go back outside for more info on the topics that stood out to you and have conversations with your community about them. Obviously, if you haven't been gentrified, you've got time. Let's go ahead and get into this week's mantras. As always, these are the important takeaways from the interview that we turn into affirmations so we can apply our guests' wisdom to our lives instantly. I will say each twice, and then you can repeat in the space for the third. Feel free also to comment your own mantras and takeaways for others. Let's begin first. Finding my peace first leads to my highest power. Finding my peace first leads to my highest power. Next, may I recognize the quiet champions in my life whose presence whispers, you are enough. May I recognize the quiet champions in my life whose presence whispers, you are enough. Lastly, I am non-attached to the good and the bad. I am in acceptance of what is. I am non-attached to the good and the bad. I am in acceptance of what is. Thank you for listening. If you haven't by now, it is time to hit subscribe, rate, and review. We are 
over 25 episodes into Simplexity. Can you believe it? Comment any and all thoughts regarding today as well as some other subjects you'd like me to tackle. My list is like 80 topics long right now. And I will see you next week for more Simplexity. It's anything but small talk. Peace.